Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I am always, always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart, real deal guests. And got to tell you, today's show, it's a winner. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly, you know, been there and done that. And uh, today, I get to pick his brain for your benefit. So, now for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, mastermind groups, or through Powerful Words Character Development, All-Star Cheer Sites, or Dance Sites Done Right, you know how much I focus on really researching all the various ways that you can possibly enhance your profitability, build your business, and grow as fast as you can, right? Well, the show is going to help us to do just that. So, today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share with you an amazing resource, Okay. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information about a topic that I find really near and dear to my heart. And, you know, a little inside baseball here. Everybody knows the only people who actually get onto the real deal are folks that I'm truly interested in and believe that I can learn some valuable info from. So today is just going to be fabulous. Um, I really want you to strap yourself in. This is just going to be a blast. Now, as I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. Okay, so let's get to doing that. All right, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, whoever, whatever. I don't want anything that could possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So, before we officially get going, I want to give you a little bit of background about our guest today. H. Chapman is a micro-private equity investor who's acquired 15 offline businesses and sold 13 of them. He's also acquired 24 online properties, the first of which was Cool Wall Street. Ace bought the business, bought the business grew it to 250,000 members, and then sold it 15 years ago at the very old age of 19. Over the last four years, he's worked with Jen Wires, helping them to buy, sell, and grow businesses in their local market. Very cool stuff. Ace, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. I am glad to, to be here, and I'm excited about some of the things we're going to be discussing today. Cool. Well, you know what? Let's dive in. Um, and actually, let me think of it this way. Before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and pleasure to meet you, hearing you speak, do me a favor. Share your story with our listeners. You know, What are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Ace Chapman? Yeah. Well, you know, I had that experience you mentioned. At the age of 19, I was in college, and the precursor to that was that I was really interested in the Internet, and this is back in 97, 98. I, was, I graduated from high school in 98, and the Internet was kind of this new thing, and people had AOL, and even getting the email was exciting and, and all of that stuff back then. But I was curious about this whole thing. So me and some buddies decided the summer before college we were going to become a web design firm. And that was when it was e everybody knew they needed a website and it was easy to go out and, and sell people on getting them. So 
we knew we had a pretty easy uh, uh, sell. We just had to get to the point where uh, we could go out and, and sell the business. So we went through all of the meticulous things like starting a uh, LLC and going through the minutes and voting who was going to do what and who was going to be in what position. And, you know, after a couple months, we, we've got – we're two months into a three-month summer, and we, we're excited to get our business cards back and stationary and all this stuff, and now we're finally ready to go sell. And the really amazing thing was after doing all of that work, we were able to sell a few people on websites, make some good money, and, and actually I got the $3,000 that I ended up uh, using as a down payment in that uh, Cool Wall Street deal. But what I learned from that was just all the headaches and everything that goes into starting a business from scratch. Even when you're starting a business from scratch where you've got people coming and, and, and begging for your service. Um, and so it, it was a, a huge contrast to uh, when I did buy the Cool Wall Street business. And the very first day after closing, I had money coming into my bank account, and it's like, whoa, that's that's money. This is great. I I've got so, a, a foundation to build on, and so when I'm talking to people that are are like your listeners, one of the big concerns that a lot of people have about going out and maybe growing their business through acquisition is they go back and they think to all the struggles and the headaches and, and everything that it takes to build a, build a business that they built, and they think, oh, I do not want to go out and, and take on that responsibility again. But when you've started a business from scratch, buying a business is really a, a, a lot more of a breeze because you, you're go, you go in, you can see the obvious things that need to be changed. You've got a foundation of profit because you don't want to take on somebody else's problems and, and buy what I called, you know, trying to catch the falling knife and, and buy something that is losing money. So we only do deals on, on profitable businesses. But that was the big transition in my life where I was able to contrast starting something from scratch and buying a business. And then since then, I've done everything from uh, spas to B2B, uh, SaaS software type businesses, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of things in between. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, awesome. So you definitely have been there and done that. So that's, that's exciting. Tell me this. Like, so when, when, when did you officially start to become an entrepreneur? Uh, it was at a, a pretty young age. I, my very first business, I started when I was five years old. It was pretty short-lived, but it was a it was a profitable business nonetheless. My mom had given me uh, about fifteen dollars to go and buy my pictures from school. And when you're when you're five years old, fifteen dollars is an infinite amount of money because you're thinking about all the candy that that. $15 could, could buy, you would be set on candy for a long time. And so I remember getting those pictures back and uh, giving them to my mom. And I noticed after church, she was giving them out to uh, our friends and family at, at church. And I went up to her and asked her, how much are you charging for the pictures? And she said, I'm not charging anything for these pictures. Are you crazy? Nobody's going to pay for pictures. I'm giving them away. I told her, There's, we can't give those things away. We paid $15 for them. You've got to sell them, and after me pitching a fit, she finally just gave in, saying, "If you want to try to sell these things, go ahead." So my very first business was selling 
pictures of myself for 50 cents a, a pop, 75 cents for the bigger ones. And uh, I, I can't get away with that kind of business today. I was a lot cuter at five than I am now. But uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was <laughs> a pretty cool experience to actually be able to make some money. Well, I mean, it, it, it proves, though, that, that entrepreneurs are born. So, yeah. no doubt. Well, let me ask a question as well, because this is something that, you know, so many people I talk to um, go this way. Did you have a specific mentor when you were younger? I had a mentor that was a huge blessing for me when um, I was about 24, 25. And it took me a while. I didn't realize what I was doing. So, I... I felt like, okay, I, I realized that buying a business is a very powerful strategy. So I bought a couple of businesses. You know, I, I, I had a little bit of career ADD when I was 22, 24. I bought one retail business, one business in the real estate industry, and um, got really good at kind of sniffing out deals and negotiating uh, what basically these small LBOs. And um, did a, a couple of deals, but I, when you're younger, you see the successful entrepreneurs being people like uh, uh, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, where they take one idea and they grow it to this huge thing, they take it public, and that's what being a successful entrepreneur is. So I was really frustrated that I would find these businesses, and then I get to the point where. It, you know, I wasn't really excited about it. I'd have be able to do, get an exit, and then I'd go into the next idea, and I was like, man, I'm never going to be able to grow a really huge business. And I, I was fortunate enough to come in contact with uh, a guy that flipped hospitals. And that was the first time, really for me at that at that time, you know, that that was almost like saying somebody flipped the government. Like, how can you flip a hospital? That's just the, the, the how can that happen? Um, so that was really a huge eye opener. And um, but more importantly, was being exposed to the concept that hey, this could be an actual thing. Uh, of you going out and buying a business and, and growing it and selling it. And so that was a, a huge transition for me and learned just a tremendous amount uh, from that mentor uh, just about how to think about money and cash flow and business and, and, and all of that. And so I'm a big, big believer uh, that you, you just I, I don't know how you can make it without having somebody who's been there, done that, and willing to take the time to share it with you. Huge, huge, huge. You know, I know you started to, um, to touch on this before uh, when you were telling me you know, who you were, but do me a favor, reiterate it, because I think it's just that important. You know, Why do you feel like somebody should consider buying an ongoing business rather than building one from scratch? Well, one of the things that's that a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people think that buying a business is expensive. And the the truth is it's actually a lot less expensive than starting from scratch in a lot of cases. Um, for one, you don't have a lot of competition in the business buying arena. So one of the businesses that I bought was a business called Homevestors that bought and sold real estate. And this that was the fifth business I bought. And for me, it was just a shocker that, you know, I would make an offer and then somebody else might come and make an offer right after me. I wasn't used to that in the business world. You know, I'd, I'd kind of make offers and wait for the seller to come back begging me to, to um, buy, the, buy the business from them. 
so that's that's one of the reasons that you can get such good deals. But when you compare the expenses, the big thing is that it's harder to get access to cash. So when you look at the expenses of starting a business from scratch, nobody wants to give you money for that because they don't know if you're going to make money from that. So if you've got to come up with all the money yourself, that becomes a very expensive or, or deal. Now, you look at the last couple of businesses that I bought. One of them is a 33-year-old business. The other one uh, has been in business for 24 years. Banks and lending institutions and, and investors love uh, get, uh, loaning or investing money on a deal like that. They feel like, man, this thing's been around for 30 years. It's not going anywhere. You've got to be a really terrible business uh, owner to go in and ruin something that's been making money for 30 years. So they're willing to jump in. And people think, uh, you know, I talk to some people that are, are, are thinking about going in and approaching investing. They're like, no, I've tried raising money before and there's no way I can do it and that kind of thing. It's like, well, what are you raising money for? It's like, well, I had an idea for an app or I was going to start this website. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's really tough to raise money for. Uh, not, not the kind of deal that, that you want to focus on. And so you end up being able to get a tremendous amount of leverage. The other big thing, though, is having systems and operations in place. So they, even if they're not great systems, you're not having to come up with everything from scratch. I mean, when you're starting a business from scratch, you've got to figure out the system for going out and, and hiring employees. You've got to hire those employees. You've got to train them. You've got to find a location and make sure that that location is going to work. And then you've got to do the build out and all of these things that are taking place months and months before you open the door and make dollar one. Then after you make dollar one, you've got, you've got monthly expenses that you're paying for each month. And you've got to just get from dollar one to hopefully breaking even. And then after that, you finally get to the point where you can start to invest money and get from break even to profitability. Uh, when you're going into a business that has figured out all of that stuff, then it just becomes a, uh, a issue of improving those systems and operations that are already in place. And then finally, obviously, the most important thing is day one, you're buying something that's profitable. After the day after closing, you know, okay, I'm making money. Uh, I know what my investment is. I'm, you know, I have an idea of what my return is going to be. And that just, you know, one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about this is that there are a lot of would-be entrepreneurs out there that are just in a bad numbers game. I mean, when you're trying to start something from scratch, you just, the numbers are against you. And there's, it's just really tough to get around statistics when something is, has a 90% chance of not working. It, you're just in a game where you've got a 90% chance of failing. So, I like to put the odds in my favor and have close to a 90% chance of succeeding in that way when I, when I, if I do fail, I know, wow, that was a rarity. I can get back in the game and I don't have to try this nine times and fail to get to that one that, that's going to allow me to win. Makes total sense. You know, here's a question that I know a lot of my, my listeners have, because it's in the back of my tongue right now, is... Yeah, how do you, how do people become aware of these opportunities of businesses they can buy? 
that is one of the things that I am working to change. <laughs> so it's, it, there, are, there, is a, there are marketplaces out there. So Biz by Sell is one of the largest in the U.S. for you to just go and see what businesses uh, that are on the market. Um, at the end of the day, there isn't this MLS that exists for uh, businesses. There are plenty of really great deals that are being advertised online and are through a business broker. I definitely recommend calling up a business broker and seeing what's listed. The problem is that business owners don't want to advertise the fact that their business is for sale. So they don't want their employees to get nervous and quit. They don't want customers to feel like, oh, things are going to change. So they're very careful about who they let know that their business is for sale. One of the things that we do is we love to get businesses that are on the hidden market. Uh, basically, when I'm talking about the deals that are being advertised or listed with a broker, that represents 20% of the market that's advertised. Uh, the other 80% of deals that do get done are on what I call the hidden market. And I'll give an example of one of the places that we love to get those deals. Uh, we get, we've gotten, we've got, you know, 30-something sources of, of deals, but one of them that's really great for us is divorce attorneys. So divorce attorneys end up in these situations where they've got to get a certain amount of money out of the business and there's, you know, the, the wife has to be paid or the husband has to be paid and, and uh, they need to sell the business as quickly as possible. And the reason that we love those kinds of situations is that it's a motivated uh, seller with a, a time-sensitive situation. So we can come into that situation and help them by being able to follow a due diligence system and come up with a value, we've got a value-waste system and, and very quickly figure out, is this a good deal? Is it worth buying? And if so, how much do I want to buy it for and, and what does the deal structure need to look like? So we're able to help them because we're able to move quickly. And we're in return, what we get is a really amazing deal. And we've had a couple situations this year where literally, you know, the divorce, as we all know, is a very emotional situation. And, you know, we've had deals where literally the, the um, owner of the business just can't bring themselves to go back to the business or do anything in the business. And in those situations, they need to sell it quickly because the business isn't going to last on its own forever. Um, uh, even though they, it, in those situations, they had really great employees that, that kind of handled it well. Does that answer your question? It does. It really, really does. Um, would you say that people are, are more, when, when they're looking for a business, they're more niche focused, or do you think they just want a nice asset? Um, I, we get both. So a lot of people, you know, I, I work with some clients that are business owners. And I've owned, uh, you know, like I, I did a roll-up of a few spas where uh, we bought, we were looking for businesses that were in the same niche to leverage a certain asset uh, that, that the first business may have. But uh, so we get a couple of different types of folks. Some folks are just looking for a really amazing deal. And that's great because we create a deal funnel. We put a bunch of deals through there. We end up with four or five really amazing deals and we can pick and choose which the one that is that gives us the best opportunity for growth and lifestyle and, and all of those things. On the other side, um, we've had businesses that are looking to grow uh, the business that they already own through acquisition and I call that a, a roll up. Now for me personally, I've had deals that I bought 
and there are specific things in a business that I'm able to leverage. So one example was I bought a business that had some um, uh, an amazing management team. I mean, these uh, girls were just absolutely wonderful. The previous owner cared nothing about the business, was not really involved. Uh, but they really took it on themselves to make this business work and, 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 and prove it and grow it. And it was just a, a really, I was very impressed by them. So I knew that if I went out and bought another business, that I could leverage those, that uh, asset, which, is, which was the management team, in these other deals. And so uh, actually the neat thing was the second business that we bought in that roll-up had an amazing marketing strategy. Um, and so once we took that, that was an asset in that business that we were able to leverage in the first and then go out and buy a third and leverage both of those. So that gives you an idea where it's, it, it's niche focused, but we start to look for what's unique about this deal that we can leverage in another deal and then what's unique about that one that we may be able to bring back to the first business or take on to uh, uh, other businesses. And, and in both cases, you're, you're trying to focus on profitability where you've got some money to invest in, uh, the, the, in improving the areas of the businesses that, that need improvement. Makes sense. Makes sense. So do you help people prepare uh, for selling businesses or just for buying them? Yeah, we deal, uh, you know, I've, I've sold my own businesses, so I've gone through that whole extra strategy planning process uh, myself, and then I've helped clients uh, do the same thing. And so a lot of the people that I work with, for one, when, when you buy a business, you really want to start to plan the exit right from the beginning. But we work with folks that are buying and selling constantly, so we end up working on uh, on both sides. Very cool. <clears throat> so this is going to be an important one for, for many, or many of my folks. So folks, if you have not been writing down, which you should be, because I already have like two pages of notes here, um, you know, what would you say are the top three things an owner should be doing when they want to sell? One of the things is it, it does, you want a team. If you're trying to do everything yourself and you're already running your business, it's going to be really tough to sell. But there are a lot of people that just get burned out on the selling sale process. I mean, they're going through, they're talking to uh, a lot of sellers, they're getting frustrated along the way. Just staying motivated is, is really tough. And so you have a lot of sellers that just give up because they're trying to do everything themselves. Find the sellers, put together information, make sure that they're not giving the seller too much information and, and uh, dealing with the legal issues and accounting issues and, and all those things. That's impossible. So you want to have your accountant involved. You want to let your attorney know. You want to have a business broker that you're working with. And those people are kind of are the gate between you and having to deal with a bunch of potential buyers your, yourself. The second thing is kind of being prepared for the process. Um, a lot of times you go through buying and selling, and I always say that, you know, usually deals are dead before they actually end up closing. So having a more long-term view, even if you find that buyer that feels like, oh, this is it, it's going to sell, you know, not, not, not locking in on them, you want to have as many options as possible. 
is, is, is frustrating and tiring as that might be, and knowing that it, you only need one person um, to buy the business, you still want to treat that process like a marketing funnel, just like you do with your customers or, or anything else. The other uh, really huge problem that a lot of people have is checking out. I mean, it's, uh, it's a tough thing once you know you're about to sell, to keep that same motivation and energy and, and um, keep that business thriving and growing. It is, a, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, if I just maintain what I've been doing, I'm going to be in a great position. Yes, maintaining is a lot better than uh, things going down because it becomes very tough to sell a business that in the last two months has gone down. Even if you're saying, hey, I'm just not in the business, I'm not focused on it, you're going to get less money than you could. And so maintaining is, is a lot better than that. But what's really great is growth because you can start to say, oh, I came up with this idea two months ago. We just started. And look, it's, it's growing. I've also got this idea and this idea. So you're going to be able to implement those. And, and that people want to jump onto a rising ship, not something that looks like it's, it's on the way down. That's fair. That's totally fair. You know, I remember when I sold my, my martial arts school, uh, and I understand what the metrics were on that, but would you say that, um, you know, I've, I've heard this number tossed around for years, that two and a half times uh, net is like a standard business price. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. Now, the question always is, how do we improve that number? <laughs> so how, you want to get above the two and a half is pretty standard. If you've got a business, it's it's kind of doing those things I mentioned. It seems like it's growing. It um, is a, a business that it, you know people are interested in buying and, and all that. So how can we get above that two and a half number? Number one is figuring out how the buyer is going to finance the business. Do that work for them. Maybe it's going to the bank and getting your business pre-approved uh, as a for the, them to get an SBA loan on it, and then going back and saying, okay, this is the structure of the deal. This is how much cash you're going to have to bring. Figure that out uh, for your buyer. The thing that people miss the most is do treat this person like a customer. Do you make things easy or difficult for people to buy stuff from you? You want to make it easy. So do that work for them. Don't just say, oh, here's the business now. You go figure it out. The second thing is make it easier than any other business to run. So once they buy, once they're looking at five different deals, uh, the average small business does not have very specific uh, standard operating procedures. So that's just one example of what you can do to make this business a lot easier to run than uh, any other business that your your business is competing with. So when, when you sit down with that seller, you're able to say, hey, you can take a look at this. You know, I'm going to keep it, but take a look at this. This is your standard operating procedures. You'll see in there, you know, let's say my manager quits. That's a concern. You know, I'm sure you're looking at businesses. One of the things on your mind is your manager quits. If you turn to page 145, we have the whole procedure where we go to find managers, the questions that we ask, the, the credentials that we want them to have. And then you go to page 200, there's the training is for the manager and all the other uh, employees that's in there. You start alleviating their concerns. What are the objections that they have in their head right now for 
buying your business, and then you attack the objections instead of waiting for them to ask you. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Would you find that there um, there's extra value in IP or intellectual property, such as you know your client list or trademarks or, or anything like that? Only if you can demonstrate money. <laughs> uh, there's no value in any of this stuff besides money. Nobody's growing the next Google. Nobody's growing the next Facebook. So you have to tie things uh, out to money. And so you know, let's take the example of a trademark. When you're able to, when you say, okay, well, hey, you know, we've got this trademark and that thing, and that is going right over that person's head. Uh, but when you say, we've been preparing to license this business out uh, nationally as a franchise or as a license, we've already invested this amount of money in making sure that our trademarks are okay for that. We've invested this amount of money in putting together some of the agreements and training that you're going to need. We've got that SOP that I just w walked you through that has all, everything you're going to need to be able to turn over to the licensees. And we've spent about $50,000 putting all this together, and we think you're going to be able to sell franchises at about a $25,000 uh, WAP type deal. And, you know, based on that, maybe maybe you only sell four a year. That's an extra $100,000 to the bottom line. You just walk that person through specifically how that trademark turns into a bottom line number. That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. This is fantastic. Tell you what, at this point, it's, uh, it's time for our resource of the week. So, Ace, tell me this. How can our listeners find out more about you and how you help entrepreneurs to succeed? Well, um, they can check out the website. It's acechapman.com. I'm on email, so feel free. You know, you can email me directly, ace at acechapman.com. But I'm on Twitter and, and do all of that fun stuff, and, and I'm at acechapman on Twitter. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You know, I always love to close out my podcast with one important question. So if you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, help them to live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? You know, one of the things that my mentor uh, really shifted my thinking on was not focusing as much on net worth and, uh, you know, the, the all the things that we get caught up in, the, the future of one day this is going to be worth this and one day this is going to be worth this, but really kind of boiling things down to how much cash flow do I have today? And if you focus every single day on how much cash flow am I generating today, you know, how much am I, can I generate tomorrow, it really simplifies everything. I think the more you push things out into the future, they become stressful and you start to create these stories around them and, and all of that. But the more you can focus on just What's going on today in my business? What can I do tomorrow? And you start to build something that, that in the future is amazing. Got it. I love it. Ace, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and I, I really appreciate you joining us today and sharing some of your wisdom with us. This has been fabulous. Great. I hope your listeners get something out, out of it, and I, I hopefully we'll, we'll hear from them as well. Absolutely. Folks, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve.
Until next time, guys, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that you truly deserve. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them, folks. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.